Scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 19 through 40. Acts 16, verses 19 through 40. And the word of God reads, But when our owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These Jews are disturbing our these men are Jews that are disturbing our cities. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew a sword about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison, and did they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they had heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. When they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. This is the word of the Lord to us. You know, the Christian life is wrought with, with mountaintop and valley experiences. To live a faithful life in this world is to know these two dichotomies. You know, you look at the life of Joseph, who was one day in Pharaoh, a servant in Pharaoh's house, and then he's falsely accused and he finds himself in prison. David was playing for the king one day, and the next day he is running for his life because the king wants to murder him. We look at the life of Elisha there on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal, God powerfully gives him a victory over those prophets, and, and Elijah is on a mountaintop experience. Not too soon is he then on the run for his life, fear of being killed by Jezebel. 
And we see it in the life of Paul. These, these mountaintop experiences followed by these valley experiences. In fact, chapter 16 of Acts details how quickly the circumstances of life can suddenly change. Thinking about the account we looked at last week in Acts chapter 16, it's easy to come to the conclusion that that Paul and Silas are fresh off of a mountaintop experience. They had been led to Philippi by the Holy Spirit and led right to a prayer meeting where they are given the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they see the conversion of Lydia. Lydia, a woman of influence and means, then welcomes them to her home, and, is, and, and that is where they establish a church, what would become the meeting place for the church at Philippi. But not only had they seen the salvation of Lydia, they also were used by God as a means to the salvation of a slave girl, slave girl who was demon-possessed and was in desperate need of a savior. God saved her, and she, like Lydia, trusted Christ. There is no doubt, based upon these two experiences, the the saving of Lydia and the saving of uh, of this slave girl, that this This missionary team was on a mountaintop experience. God had used them to begin a work in this prominent Gentile city. They were on a mountaintop. But soon their circumstances would drastically change. This drastic change is detailed for us right in our text. First we see the the mountaintop experience in verse 15 of chapter 16. Look at what it says. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Here is Lydia being saved and inviting Paul and Silas and the team back to her home for a meal and to establish a meeting place for the church in Philippi. Where they didn't have a home to meet in before, now they have a home and a resting place. Again, a mountaintop experience. But then we see a valley. Look at verse 23 and 24. And when they had, in, had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Here is Paul and Silas now in prison. One minute they are in a palace and the next they are in prison. How do things, how do things change so quickly? How do things change so quickly in, in your lives? One top, a mountaintop experience, and all of a sudden you are in a valley, just like that. Brothers and sisters, it's important to realize that suffering comes. Suffering comes. Brothers and sisters, this is the faith-filled life of the Christian in a sinful world. 
to live faithfully, to live a life not only that preaches the gospel but lives it as well is a life that is going to be full of opposition. Why? Because the way of Christ is in direct opposition to the ways of the world. But you know what? What what makes this so hard to and, and difficult to believe and make sense of is that often, especially here in America, people are generally okay with you being a Christian. They're generally okay. The world has no problem with saying, with, with you saying that you are a follower of Jesus. They don't have a problem living at peace with you as, as, as long as what you are doing or what you are saying doesn't affect them in any way. They're okay with us being good Christian neighbors, good co-workers, and, and the like. But as soon as what you believe and what we proclaim begins to impose on their value systems and idols, oh, now there's a problem. That is what happened to Paul and Silas. Soon after the the slave girl is healed, her owners are not very pleased. They're not happy. They're not happy with Paul and Silas. It seems that that the young slave girl whom Christ had freed and called his own was a valuable asset to them. She had made them quite a bit of money. And so not only had they lost a slave, but now, Now they were impacted financially, showed where their value system was. They were okay with Paul and Silas. They were okay with what they were teaching, right? When the the slave girl was was coming behind Paul and Silas, they they didn't say anything. They were okay with, with that, but as soon as it conflicted with that which they valued, namely their money, They became hostile. They started making up charges and had them stripped and beaten before the city officials. They don't mind. Most people don't mind you being who you are as long as it doesn't mess with their value system. As long as it doesn't mess with their money, they're okay. But as soon as it starts messing with my money... Okay, now we've got a problem. Brothers and sisters, this is so telling. Here's what, this is what we always have to remember. To be a Christian is to not value what the world values. And so we need not be surprised. We need not be surprised when when fire chiefs get fired because they quote what the Bible says about homosexuality in a book that they wrote. We need not be surprised when speaking out against abortion and, and racism and other injustices causes the world to slander you or ostracize you. We need not be surprised. That's what Peter tells us. In 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 14, beloved, beloved, he's he's speaking to you, Christian. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You're not to be surprised at these things. Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas were not surprised 
I don't think Paul and, and Silas were surprised at the persecution they received because of proclaiming the gospel. This was a regular occurrence for them. Paul received opposition in Jerusalem. He was stoned in Lystra. Persecution was not new, and therefore they were not surprised. Are you surprised when persecution comes? Oh, I know we don't experience it on the level that some of our brothers and sisters face it around the the world, but we experience it nonetheless. There, There is some persecution that we face. The question is, are you surprised? There's suffering that that comes to the Christian who lives faithfully in this world. Are you surprised? You know, how you respond to that suffering, to that persecution, is is often a telltale sign of whether or not you are surprised. 1 Peter, again, in chapter 4, later down in in the chapter, it says, Therefore... Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Suffering, suffering comes. How you respond is a telltale sign of whether or not you are surprised that it comes. Suffering comes, so... We must suffer well. We must suffer well. This this was Paul and Silas. This was Paul and Silas. They were not surprised by this because they had entrusted their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. And we know they did this because of how they responded while they were in prison. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Here here are, are these brothers who the night before were sleeping in luxurious conditions, and now they are in prison after being unjustly treated, beaten, and locked up in chains. If anyone, if anyone should have had the right or the reason to complain, it is these two. If anybody had the right to complain, it, was, it should have been them. If anyone had an excuse to give give way to anger and frustration. It was Paul and Silas. But not these two. Which is interesting because that's not us. We get bent out of shape because the line at the grocery store is too long. The, the drive through line is taken forever. So I get angry and I get frustrated. We get offended and want to go on rants because somebody unfriended you based upon something you put in your Facebook feed. Not Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were beaten, persecuted, treated unjustly, in chains, in a dark prison. And instead of getting angry and frustrated or growing impatient, they begin to pray and to sing. How are they able to do that? 
How are they able to do that? Brothers and sisters, Paul and Silas are able to sing and pray because they know to whom they belong. They belong to the faithful one, and they know that he is good. So they begin to pray and to sing, and they sing and they pray. Perhaps they started to sing Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber nor sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Perhaps they sang Psalm 121. But, but maybe they sang every blessing you pour out. I'll turn back and praise. When the darkness closes in, surely I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Or maybe they, they slowed it down a little bit and they said, though Satan should buffet, though, though trials come, let, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Paul and Silas are up in that prison praising God. In the midst of being beaten, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of suffering, they're not complaining, they're singing and they're praying. Whatever they sang, it was filled with with both pleading and thanks and sorrow and joy. For you know the Psalms, that's, that's what the Psalms are full of. They're full of hymns that express all of those emotions. They sang and they prayed. How instructive is that for us? Is that your first action when met with a trial? You know what praying and, and singing does in the midst of a trial? You know what it does? Praying. Praying demonstrates to you and others that you are not in control. To pray to our Heavenly Father is to rely upon Him. It is, it is to proclaim that God is sovereign. You see, we, we wouldn't be praying if we thought that we could handle it. We pray because we can't handle it. And in that, and in that, praying, praying should be the first thing, should be the first order of business when met with a trial. You know what? Singing causes you to rejoice. Singing causes you to rejoice. The Christian who begins singing in pain or, or sorrow ends rejoicing because hymns rightly point us to Christ. The hymns in the great Psalter are reflective of that very fact. Often you read the Psalms and, and they begin with a, a lament and an angst and a sorrow, but, but they end with rejoicing. Psalm 126.6, he who goes out weeping, 
bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. Bring his sheaves with him. We sing it here at East Point Church. All those who sow weeping will go out with shouts of joy. When you sing, when you sing and when you pray, it reminds you that God is indeed good. Good. Oh, brothers and sisters, I know we like to say that God is good all the time and God is good. But in the midst of a trial, the enemy wants no more than to convince you that God is not good. You remember what happened to Job and his wife? Job, in the midst of this trial, you know what his wife wanted him to do. She wanted him to curse God and die. The only reason that that option makes sense is if God is not good. But he is good. And he does good. And so in the midst of our trial, as we are praying and reciting hymns of joy, we are reminded that God answers those who call upon him. He does not forsake his people. He, he is a good God who is consumed with his glory and the good of his people. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. came in the morning for Paul and Silas. For Paul and Silas in the midst of that Philippian jail cell, they knew. The reason they were singing is because they knew that God was good. And you know what? He was just as good in that prison as he was in that palace called Lydia's house. He's just as good. He didn't change. God doesn't change. Your circumstances, yes, they change, but God does not change. He's good all the time. They were singing and praying because they believed that God was at work. He was at work. He was doing something. He was doing something. Brothers and sisters, God is always at work. Always. Always. In the midst of your trial, God is always at work. And in this Philippian jail, God was about to show Paul and Silas what, or better yet, who he was working on. He was about to show Paul and Silas who he was working on because suffering comes. So suffer well because the Savior saves. While Paul and Silas are singing and praying, they feel the rumblings, the rumblings of an earthquake. And the doors of the jail are flung open. Now, now the text doesn't say that God sent the earthquake. You read your Bible, it doesn't say that, that God sent the earthquake. And so the temptation might be to think that this is just some random act of nature that, that happened at just the right time. If that is what you believe, I am afraid you don't know the God of the Bible. The, the Bible tells us that God tells the lightning bolts where they should go. Isaiah tells us he knows where the snow is kept. Ask Jonah. 
Ask Jonah if it was a random coincidence that a storm came and rocked the boat he was in as he fled to Tarshish, forcing the men to throw him overboard. Jonah knew who controlled that storm. Brothers and sisters, God Almighty controls all things, and he does it all for his glory. Don't you ever think, don't you ever think that things happen in your life? Wait, wait. Don't you ever think that things happen by accident in this world? In this world. That is not how God works. That is not how he works. He always has a purpose. And that purpose, whatever it is, is never thwarted. It's never thwarted. So Luke continues with with a key part of the account. Look at verse 27 and 28. After the earthquake and the chains are, are thrown off, When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Look, the doors flung open and all the chains and shackles that had them bound were broken. They were, they were free to leave. God had worked a miracle to save, to save them. Everybody is running for the doors, right? Get out of the prison. Get out while you can. That's what I would have been doing. Run for the doors. Is that what everybody did? Did they all leave? No. Every last prisoner stayed. So as you're reading this, I hope you're asking questions, and it's okay to ask the question. Well, why didn't they leave? Why did Paul and Silas and the others not run? The conclusion I came to is because God had worked a miracle not to save them, but to save the Philippian jailer. God had worked a miracle not to save them, but to save the Philippian jailer. This this jailer is dumbfounded. I'm I'm sure the earthquake had him disoriented, and he was was wrought with fear, thinking that everybody had left, and so he was in fear of his life. But but in fact, they were still there. I think after witnessing the sheer demonstration of the power of God, this jailer is brought to his knees by that demonstration and asked the question, Every proclaimer of the gospel desires to hear. It is the question that we all need to ask. Everybody in the world needs to ask and have this question answered. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers. He answers clearly and succinctly, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he, and he believed. And he believed. Oh, brothers and sisters, the Philippian jailer met Jesus that night. He met his Savior that 
night. God had blown off the chains and the shackles that had Paul and Silas bound, but more importantly, he had blown off the shackles of sin and death that had the jailer bound. You know what? This is a prime example of why we don't sulk, complain, or get angry and grow frustrated in the midst of trials. Our loving Heavenly Father is always at work. He is always at work. And and sometimes God uses our trials and our lives so much, not so much that we would draw closer to him, although he does that, but, but so that others may be drawn to him. So that others, you, you know what? I was thinking about this. There were others in Philippi that were, that were affected by the earthquake. And they didn't know why the earthquake happened. They didn't know what was going on. But when you have a sovereign God that controls everything, when it rains outside, there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose because God always has a purpose. Nothing happens by accident. Brothers and sisters, if you don't believe that salvation belongs to the Lord, I don't know what will convince you. I mean, God saves those who are his. And he will seek and find them to bring them home. The the Philippian jailer was was, uh, elected before the foundation of the world. The great shepherd, according to John 10, is willing to leave the 99 and go and find the one. He seeks and finds those who are his, and he moves hell out the way to get to them. He did so with the Philippian jailer. He did that. He went and found his own. Perhaps you are here and you're wondering if Jesus is seeking you. I can tell you that it is not by random coincidence that you are here this morning. It's not random. Sure, we can go back and trace various things and things that happened in your life and circumstances that led you here this morning. God brought you here this morning. I'll make it easy for you. You don't have to recall what happened. God brought you here this morning. He wanted you here. The power of God is real. Sin is real. But so is the grace of God found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. My prayer My prayer is that in your heart, you are asking, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Perhaps you're here and and you're realizing, I don't don't worship God. I've never trusted him. Pray that you are hearing, that you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that Christ was punished for your sin. And I, and, and I hope that you hear that those who trust in him will be saved. If, if in, the, in your heart you're asking, what must I do to 
be saved, my, my answer is no different than Paul. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice I didn't say get yourself together and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice I didn't say here, give me some money and now believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas didn't say to the Philippian jailer, let me out these chains and I'll let you know how to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins and trust Christ today. He can save you. He can save you today. He saved the Philippian jailer that day. Not only him, but salvation came to his entire household. It came to his entire household. Brothers and sisters, the salvation of this jailer led to the conversion and baptism of his whole household. It started with Paul and Silas suffering well in the midst of persecution. The Philippian church grew that day and gained a transformed family who rejoiced because they had believed in God. You know, we, you know we, shouldn't, we shouldn't gloss over the facts found in verse 33 and 34. What we read in verse 33 and 34 is that the, that the jailer invited Paul and Silas back to his home and even cared for them by washing their wounds and setting a meal before them. Brothers and sisters, just literally hours before, hours before he was locking them in the lower parts of the prison. And now here he is, washing their wounds, giving them a meal and rejoicing and laughing with them. This is a reminder of the transforming power of the gospel. It changes people. It's that powerful. This jailer who added to the pain and the, 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 the affliction of, of, these, of these, uh, these, these, these members of Christ are now, is now with them, rejoicing and praising God because salvation had come to him. The power of the gospel is real. God worked a miracle to save the jailer. But he also, but also in his goodness, saved Paul and Silas from prison. He rescued them. He rescued them from prison. We, 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 are, told, we are told that the magistrates the next day offered, uh, uh, um, um, ordered the release of Paul and Silas. Now, there's several speculations as to, to why they, they were released, but, and the Bible doesn't tell us, but but we know that, that, that they were released because of God. The sovereign hand of God released them. What we do know is that over the course of a day or two, Paul and Silas went from a palace to a prison and back to a palace. Mountaintop to valley to mountaintop. Acts 16.40 says, so they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Over the course of a day, the Christian life 
is one of mountaintop and valley experiences, especially for the Christian who is seeking to live faithful in a sinful world. Here's what you need to remember. Suffering, suffering will come for those who follow the precepts of the Bible and the command to preach the gospel. It comes. But the exhortation for us is to suffer. Suffer well. Suffer well knowing that God is always at work and to never forget his purpose and plan to save sinners, to bring those who are his home. Knowing that, knowing that we should be able to sing, pray, and rejoice on the mountaintop and in the valley. Because God never changed. He never changes. Whatever comes, we bless his name. Whatever comes, we bless his name. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He never changes. He's good. Suffering comes, suffer well, because the Savior saves. You know, Paul, later on in his life, writes a letter to this Philippian church while he was in prison. He says this in Philippians 1, 12 through 13. And I think he had this in mind. And I bet you the Philippian church had his imprisonment in Philippi in mind when he wrote this statement. And you want to know how to, how, to, how to have gospel lenses on? Look at Paul. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Brothers and sisters, what an attitude to have that this trial, that the suffering that I'm going through, it is known throughout, throughout whoever I talk to is for Christ, so that he might be glorified, honored, and praised. That was Paul's attitude. Is it yours? Oh, we pray that you would trust Christ and know this peace and this assurance. Let's pray.